If we could lead a life of influence, it's something that we all should aspire to, to bend the curve of progress forward towards diversity where all perspectives are valued. For Marjorie Taylor Holman, she's doing her part to do just that by helping others tell their story. She's a writer, editor, and author who has quite the story to share on her personal level. She's completed four easy walking guidebooks and the backstory behind her memoir, which was learning to find joy during difficult circumstances. She was left partially paralyzed after surgery, and she now uses hiking poles to get around and to rediscover and reconnect with one of her true passions, the great outdoors. Turner Holman joined me this week to share parts of her interesting and riveting story of perseverance, resilience, and so much more. And she tells me why it's important to her to help others communicate through the written word. I'm Kevin McShan. Let to this conversation. Turner Holman started her remarks by telling me a retrospective of her life and how she got to where she is today. Um, well, it wasn't an accident per se. It was surgery to save my life with a, to remove a brain tumor. And so um, the, the result was the same as if I'd had an accident my right side was completely paralyzed. And that was nearly 30 years ago. Uh, I have not completely recovered, but I have found ways to, uh, I, I do have mobility. It's, I've got balance issues and I have to be careful about falls. And there, there's all sorts of other, other things, seizures and other other things that lots of people live with and their challenges that you got to figure out how do you make a life. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that writing has become an outlet for you. And like you told me before we started our call, helping other people share their stories. So uh, tell me about your passion for writing and why it's so important to you. Oh, thank you. Um, I really, I was not a writer before all of this happened. I, in fact, I avoided writing like the plague. I, I never felt like I was a good writer. And I was a professional storyteller before then and said, oh, good, I don't have to do any writing. I can just talk. And then when I was homebound, I really wasn't able to get out. I wasn't able to perform. It was re really 
<laughs> excuse me, I was home for seven years, not able to drive, and I needed to figure out something else. And I started just writing simple emails to family and friends back when we only got a few emails at a time. I don't know if people know that at one time it was exciting to get one email or two in a day. <laughs> there was that time. And so I just started writing the stories of my children were young and uh, we, I had wonderful neighbors and we had little stories of things that they did. I started writing them and people would uh, write me back and say, tell us more. We wish you, we lived in your neighborhood. And that's how I got started writing because I wasn't self-conscious about the writing. They were just emails. So that's how I started. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything starts in moderation and it grows into a passion. That's a good thing, right? I think so. You just never know exactly how that's going to happen. Absolutely. And now you've written your fifth book. So I'm, I'm uh, eager to learn all about uh, your fifth book on the theme of Easy Walk. So tell uh -huh. me about it. Thank you. Um, it, it's sort of a, a continuum from the other books that I wrote. I, I've didn't, I had written a newspaper article, I think I mentioned to you. I also write for newspapers, and I'd just written a newspaper article about getting out, walking in nature, local places, local trails that you could get to, because I enjoyed that. And um, I put it on my writing website, this article about walking, and people kept finding it on the internet and saying, well, how do you get there? And I realized that people really didn't know where there were places to walk right in the next town from where they lived. And so I started doing the work and put my first book together. That went well, publicizing for it. I, I found I'd already written half a second book and then I helped another uh, conservation group write their book for a third book. And then I wrote a book about how, how do you find easy walks wherever you end up. And then this fifth book is the story behind easy walks. This is my memoir. And it really is the essays that I started writing that I was describing to you from when I was first home and how recovering mobility and just finding the more spiritual side, the emotional um, side of, of figuring out how do you make a life when it's changed in ways that you never expected. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Marjorie, we share uh, something in common because as you know, I, I was born with uh, uh, cerebral palsy, so I also deal with overcoming obstacles and challenges every day. So tell me your version of what, what it means uh, to persevere in your definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, thank you. Um, boy, uh, it gave me a lot of understanding, Kevin, because I, I had two small children. I was a single mother, and uh, all of a sudden, I wasn't able to work. Well, how was I going to manage? And, and very honestly, it was my kids 
that kept me going. I, I was ready to give up if it had just been me. I'm not quite sure. But because I loved my kids and wanted to take care of them, I did whatever it took, uh, getting support from social services, getting onto what's what was called AFDC, uh, take um, assistance for families with dependent children, and figured out how to maintain independence. And I also learned how to ask for help because that's a really important lesson for all of us and something I had a really hard time with. I liked being independent and doing things for myself and suddenly I needed a lot of help and it was hard to learn, but I did. And I, I didn't have family right nearby. I needed people to even do simple things like get me to the grocery store. And people stepped forward and said, I'm going to the grocery store, I'll take you with me. Or they, they said, I have a car and I can drive, I'll get you to a doctor appointment. Um, the, the simple things that we take for granted that day by day, I figured out how to manage. But, um, you know, it, it takes practice and I had lots of chances to practice, as you know. Um, you practice and you figure things out. Yeah, you know, Audrey, I always tell people it may not always be aesthetically pleasing, but as long as it's uh, productive and uh, uh, meets the moment, everyone's portrait of success is different, isn't it? Uh, very much, very much so. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, it, there's this feeling of, I have to ask for so much help, but there's a really nice feeling that we can give back, especially when you're feeling like you're asking for help all the time. And the truth is everyone has something to give. And sometimes it's hard to figure out what that is, but I've really appreciated when I've had time with other people to be able to help point to, out to them that they have things to give that they might not have even recognized or given value to. Um, and that's been a really wonderful thing too. Everybody yeah. has a story. Absolutely. Diversity of perspective is important, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and understanding that our own stories have value and might be a help to someone else is a way of giving back. Absolutely. And I know one of the ways that you give back is through your Easy Walks community, which has over uh, 12,500 followers. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank I, you. I, I, I know that must have been an interesting journey to get all of those people behind your movement. So tell me about the group and how, how important it is to build a sense of community. Um, it, it started out very small. Uh, it's on Facebook, Easy Walks, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and beyond. And it basically was a way for me to get in front of more eyes because Facebook isn't always generous in who they show your information to. And I heard that groups 
were a way to be more effectively do that. So I started it and it was slow. I just started putting in information of places that I went and said, here's how you can find it. Interesting, helpful, educational information about walking, about being safe in the outdoors. And then the pandemic hit. And suddenly people didn't have anywhere to feel safe except the outdoors. And they didn't know where to go and places were crowded and they started finding my group and it sort of blew up from there. And hundreds of people were coming almost every day in the the beginning of the pandemic. Now it's a little, it's quite a bit slower, but it's, it's got momentum and members in the group contribute things because they're in the group, they're as free to add things as I can. It's become kind of a database of places that people can go for whether it's completely handicapped accessibility or what I call handicapped friendly or an easy walk, which does take, um, excuse me, some support. I use hiking poles to keep, help keep my balance when I'm on a trail that's not a paved trail. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A sense of authentic human connection goes a long way, doesn't it? It really does. I, I'm so pleased I don't have to do all the work in the group. A lot of the members, they probably contribute more than I do at this point. A connection is important, for sure. And I asked you earlier about uh, perseverance, and I'm going to ask you about resilience and how do you think uh, your own story has taught you to be resilient and your message to other people who may be going through <coughs> a, a similar uh, a, a circumstance as you did? And uh, what would be your message about the importance of uh, resiliency? Why, it, it's not something that you can just pull out of a hat. <laughs> Um, I think that it comes one episode at a time as you face challenges. And I I use the word muddle a lot, uh, that I sort of muddle along. And it isn't that I have all the answers. It isn't that I know, here's how you do to get to the next point. Um, You know, some of it is just learning to experiment and learning that it's okay when things don't work, that there might be another way. Learning to find trusted people that are going to listen and not just say, here's your solution, take it, but are willing to walk with you and be patient with you while, at least for me, while I figure it out, which you know, there's no one one solution for any one person's life. You have to keep being willing to try things. And when they do work, you get some encouragement that maybe that'll happen the next time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm big on making things. So um, outside of this podcast, I also work with people to uh make sure in the disability space they find and maintain gainful employment so you know in my uh 
because it's important to to promote inclusion and acceptance. And one of the ways we do that is by making uh, things more accessible. So tell me about how you think we can build bridges of both uh, progress and uh, uh, understanding when it comes to making things more accessible. Uh, Wow, it's a lot of that has been through my Facebook group that I, um, when people contribute, I'm pretty insistent that if you want to be helpful in helping other people, we don't just want pretty pictures of a place that we can or can't go. We need the information. Give us an address. Um, describe the trail surface. Don't just tell it's us it's easy. Is it paved? Is it uh, crushed stone dust? Is it firm footing? Are there roots? Are there rocks? So I've learned to say an easy walk has not too many roots, not too many rocks, relatively, relatively level with something of interest along the way. When you start using that terminology, people start getting it. And in the group, at least, I say, you need to give us that information. Otherwise, you're just showing off a pretty place. That's not helpful. If you want to be helpful, here's what you need to do. I've gotten pretty insistent on that. And people get so that they understand. And we've built up a database in this group of places, at least in the New England area, and somewhat beyond there that I encourage as well. Fantastic. Well, you know, as, as a journalist myself and as a, as a writer for you, uh, the more information we can get, the better, right? I, I abs- Information is power. Information, and- you, you know, I can't tell you what will work for you, but I can say, here's what you'll find if you go here. And then you have to decide what are my what are my challenges and does that work or not. But if you don't have the information, how in the world can you make that decision? Absolutely. And Marjorie, uh, tell me, I, I'm always encouraged to ask all of my uh, guests on the show, show about how they celebrate life. Because, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I, no, I, I think it's important to celebrate the wins in life and really making progress uh, towards prosperity. So tell me, in your case, how do you celebrate the wins in life? Oh, I, what a great question, Kevin, because uh, there's there were times when I was really overwhelmed with the hard things. And uh, one of the ways that I celebrate life is getting outside in places that I don't have to keep looking at my feet, but I can look around and take in the wonders of the outside world. And that's part of what Easy Walks gives me is I'm not constantly watching my feet to have to trip because then all you see is your feet. And there is so much joy. And so for me, getting outdoors in a supportive, safe place is how I celebrate in, uh, you know, in mostly in cooler weather because I have real challenges with temperature control. Uh, but my uh, my husband, I'm no, no longer a single mother. I remarried 
16 years ago, and my husband was determined to help me get out on a bike. And he built an adaptive tandem that I can ride on the back. And so I can go much farther than my little feet can take me. And we go 20 miles at a time and I get to see so much on the back of my bike. That's one of the biggest ways I get to celebrate. Oh, well, there's, there, there's magic and exploration, isn't there? There really is. I, I love seeing new places. I also like to see familiar places in different seasons. New England has a lot of seasons. Other parts of the country, not as much, depending on where you are. Yeah, well, Marjorie, I live in, in, in Canada in winter, which is the city right across the river from Detroit, and we get all four seasons, so I understand <laughs> uh, completely what you mean, absolutely. Yes. So, when you look at your life, you know, for me, oftentimes people call me an inspiration, and I, I always tell them, I'm only simply living my life, and if I'm an inspiration, that's terrific, but I, I'm wondering your thoughts on the notion of uh, quality and how you look at the, uh, your life as being an inspiration to others. I've been told the same thing, Kevin, that I'm inspiring. And it's always, to me, a little off-putting because I'm just trying to muddle through whatever makes me happiest and gives me some purpose. Um, I'm not quite sure what people exactly mean when they say I'm an inspiration. I hope that that means that they're going to do things for themselves to figure out where they're going to give back. Uh, <clears throat> for me, I'm just doing things that I hope are going to be able to give back to other people that also make me happy. I'm, I'm a little selfish in that way. I'm not, I'm not just being Mother Teresa, um, <laughs> just trying to um, find joy where I can. And there really is a lot of joy. It isn't that it's always easy, but there are always things that I can say, I'm so glad that I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my final question for you this morning has to do with your own individual, uh, personal, and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. Um, I have five grandchildren. I am such a lucky person to have that. I didn't know nearly 30 years ago that I would survive to see my children grow. So <clears throat> being able to watch them grow watch them become people that give back to others. I feel like that's my legacy, is that I was able to pass on to them the importance of giving to others and the joy that that gives to be able to know that it's not all about me, but it's, it's, a, it's a real joy to give, but it, there's also no shame in receiving because it's got to be both. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just finally, tell me if people want to uh, get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that? Um, MarjorieTurner.com is my website. And um, my, my email is Marjorie at MarjorieTurner.com. So 
reach out if you're interested. Um, my books are all on Amazon, Marjorie Turner Holman. And um, even if they just put in Marjorie Turner, they'll find me. And thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me on, Kevin. Well, absolutely. Anytime I can uh, uh, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion and uh, couple it with a great story, uh, I'm all for it. I want to thank you for uh, taking some time to engage in conversation with me this morning and for being here. It's most appreciated. Thank you, Kevin. It was really, really kind and really wonderful to meet you as in person as we can on Zoom. It, it feels very warm. I've gotten very used to spending time with people on Zoom. It's a delight. Thank well, you again. Yeah, absolutely. The magic of the internet can, can do great <laughs> things, can it? It's really opened up, I think, a lot for people with disabilities, especially those of us who aren't always able to drive because we're much less isolated. And for people who are being tired of Zoom because they can get back out in person, not everybody can. And it's wonderful to not be so isolated. Well, uh, I'm glad that we're, we're connected now and I look forward to staying in touch, okay? Thank you so much, Kevin. I would like to do that too.